<laughs> Hi, I'm Linda Green Scahill I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I was a volleyball player at Baldwin High School. I played on a full scholarship at Duquesne University. And because of that experience, I decided it was important for me to give back uh, to girls to have the same experience that I did. So I coached for a little while at Willow Pond back in the day in Pittsburgh out in Terenum, where I met Salima Davidson Rockwell and was coaching her as a um, sophomore in high school and continued the next year and then met um, Jen Flynn Oldenburg, who was the younger sister of Laurie, who I was coaching at Baldwin High School at that time, and decided we had some big-time players in Pittsburgh, and Nikki Otto out of North Allegheny was in ninth grade, and we decided we needed to start our own club in the Pittsburgh area. So myself and Sue Flaherty out of Norwin High School, she played at um, Indiana University, Indiana Hoosiers, and Sue McDonald, um, she played at Pitt, and her son recently was coaching at Pitt. We got together and started Pittsburgh Golden Triangles. And we had three teams, 14, 16s, and 18s. There were no other age divisions uh, available at that time. There were no in-between age groups, no odd numbers. And we just raised money that we could through the Pittsburgh community who was very generous and we took those girls all over the country to tournaments. So that's how it all started back in oh. 1989. With three teams and both Nikki went to um, Stanford on a full scholarship. She is now a physician. Uh, Salima went to Penn State, became a national champion, was a U.S. Olympic setter. Jen went to Ohio State became the U.S. National Olympic Center as well. So those were three players that were the nucleus of the first teams, and um, it's gone from there. Yeah. So I know I was there for a very, very short time, mm -hmm. but it was still my best coaching experience before I started my own club. That's awesome. And um, We were happy uh, to have you. And thank you. It was, And it was awesome to – you know, I, I first met you and, and your husband, Mike, through passing and then huh? ended up getting into the same, almost the same block and then jumping around and kind of getting involved in everything I could. So it was, it was a lot of fun for sure. And the time I was there. It was all the time. Um, in 1995, we changed the club name to Pittsburgh Elite. It went from Pittsburgh Golden Triangles to Pittsburgh Elite. And it's been Pittsburgh Elite since 1995. And then there's been boys programs that have spun off, um, not under our umbrella necessarily, Pittsburgh Volleyball Club for boys. Um, <clears throat> my husband and my son were very instrumental in working with those teams. And those are still running today as well. Mm -hmm. And I actually had um, a college teammate that played for PVC. Oh, yeah? Funny enough, yeah. Um, so it's it was just another one of those small world things. Small world, yeah. Long Great athletes in Western Pennsylvania, for sure. Um, so just kind of speak to how you've seen the the whole volleyball scene change since, I mean, even since starting the club in 89. It's really ch changed drastically. Um, back then, we just fundraised everything. And the girls, the, the biggest difference is we used to travel with the girls together in hotels. So four players would share a hotel room. This is including 14-year-olds. Um, and we would have chaperones that would come and um, all the way through 18s. Now we have 10-year-old teams through 18-year-old teams. We have 10s, 11s, 12s, 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s, 17s, and 18s. And we have 35 teams. Um, so no longer do they stay in hotel rooms together. Uh, they travel with their parents or chaperones um, or stay together. But the club is no longer responsible for the housing of the athletes. Um, the, the price has increased drastically of how much it takes um, for an organization to pay coaches, um, to pay for tournament entry fees, to pay for their gear, to pay for their training, all of that. 
um, is astronomical compared to what it what it used to be. Yeah. Um, coaches used to coach for free, uh, volunteer their time, which a lot of coaches still do. I mean, very yeah. few coaches coach for the money. They do because they love the sport, and yeah. they want to pass on their love of the sport, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's more of a business now, honestly. Yeah. Um, and you're not making money by any means. But you've got to try to get everybody where they're going in 35 different directions literally every weekend yeah. um, and organize all of that. It's, it's a big feat. Yeah, and I know right now I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have the support system I do have. Um, I only, have, only had three teams this year. Um, even with That's doing right. by myself, it was still one of those weird – like kind of weird moments because I look back when I went to go talk with um, Jen and Steve about coming in and uh, the business card I gave them had the had one side was my training company and the other side was the volleyball program I was going to start in Greene County Um, which for those listening it was in southwest PA as far as you can go and you know they had asked me well you know we're just curious about why why this and I said you know that was more of a pipe dream. I was, you know, I think I was 27, 26 at the time. And I was like, I don't really want that kind of responsibility right now. Like I wanted to do just, just one team and then that was going to be it. And, you know, they presented me with the opportunity and I kind of went from there. And so, you know, now I think back to that, that meeting a lot. Right. That's how old we started it. I was yeah. pregnant with my, um, <coughs> my second child. I was working too much. They put me on bed rest until the day I had her when the season started. Um, but I was taking everybody to airports. I mean, the tournaments we were going to in that first year were in California, um, Utah, Arizona, Nevada, Florida. There were no local tournaments. There were no other clubs in this area. So um, we had to travel. And so it was a great travel experience for the girls a lot of them got to see the world through volleyball i got to see the world through volleyball Uh, i had the opportunity when my children my older two were two and three years old to coach in japan and china and take a group of athletes there um so a lot of the travel that i love to do um now that doesn't have to do with volleyball started because of volleyball i got to see the world with these players and it was just tremendous yeah. So we all started with the bug in our twenties and then it just keeps going from there. Yeah. And I know I'm, I'm looking to start taking another step and buy, you know, some of the bigger expenses like buying a sport court and buying net system. Oh, yeah. And then that's where I've, it gets, it's a slippery slope with money. Yep. And everything, but it's, it, yeah, it's pricey. It's really pricey. People think, Oh, what do you need for volleyball? It's just a court, you know, with a net and poles. It's a lot of money. It yeah. costs a lot of money to, especially if you're going to do it right. Yeah, and I've been. Be I mean, safe. I've looked at the differences between getting a sport court and getting a, like a PVC vinyl, and mm-hmm. you know, the vinyl's a lot nicer. Um, mm-hmm. And I, anywhere you get it, you can get it for. I mean, I've seen it cheaper, but that's kind of, you know, here and there. Right. But, um, what's the What's the upkeep on a day-to-day basis with Pit Elite? I mean, just for everyone listening. Well, we have a facility with five indoor courts. Um, It's volleyball 24-7. There's no other sport that comes in there. We're set up for volleyball every day. Uh, Right now, because of COVID, uh, we are only open for private lessons. And they can be lessons of small groups. Uh, Everybody is temperature checked at the door. Uh, no parents are allowed in. We're only using four of the five courts. Center court's open to make, make sure the social distancing there. They're in one door, out a different door when they leave. We live 15 minutes between every lesson for facility managers to wipe down the courts, wipe down the balls. We don't use the balls again for another you know, day or two. Um, so the upkeep of the facility is great. I mean, we have yeah. to have a staff that just, that's all they work on is mm-hmm. keeping the facility clean, um, keeping the equipment updated. Uh, volleyballs are not cheap. You know no. that. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a good volleyball is upwards of 50 or more dollars for one ball, yeah. You spend a thousand bucks on just two dozen and you kind of just oh, go, yeah. okay, that's, yeah. that's it. And it fill up one cart. And right, easy. That, I mean, that's where like, throw another couple hundred in for a cart. Yeah. <laughs> that's where sometimes I, I wish I coached soccer or I wish I coached right. baseball. Right. Right. Buy a bucket of ball for a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, whatever it is. It's just a lot cheaper. Um, right. But I know um, even recently I was looking at. I'm actually looking at the website right now um, with your the 18s class that um, yeah. just graduated. Uh, uh huh. You know, along with the departure of Jen, which was sad but really right. awesome to hear. Um, oh yeah. He's going to do amazing things at, you know, uh, at Ohio State. Um, mm-hmm. She took Sarah with her, Sarah White, which. Right, uh, she's going to. You know, Sarah didn't even graduate high school yet. Yeah. Sarah's only a, well, was a junior and now will yeah. be a senior, right? Which is astonishing to think anyway, because I remember seeing her when she was, I think, a 14s or a 15. That, yes, I coached her as a 14-year-old. Yes. And I know there were times she would walk in and. I think this is where the difference between the south, like certain parts of the southern region, southeast region, mm-hmm. and the north really differ is to watch a 14-year-old walk in and you think she's older than her 18-year-old sister or 17-year-old oh, sister. Oh, right. Right. And, Go ahead. And the, the, cool, the cool part at Pittsburgh Elite is we have a staff of coaches that work together very well. And when we had open gym type settings where anybody could come in, this is pre-COVID. Um, my husband happened to be coaching a very talented 16s team. They're all in, in college now playing. And Sarah was 13, turning 14 on my 14s team. And his team was practicing for national championships in the summer. So he invited her in to practice with those 16s. So it, it always reminded me of Mia Hamm's book, uh, Mia Hamm, the famous soccer standout. And she said, a quote in her book, I, was, I never considered myself the best soccer player, yet I always made sure I practiced with people who were better than me, yeah. which always made me better. And that's one of the nice systems we have at Pittsburgh Elite is kids can be exposed in the same practice block to athletes that are older, and um, even more experienced than them and get the benefits of the coaching and the mixed age groups. So it's, it's really nice. It's a good atmosphere. So do you, do you guys still do the same practice blocks, like with the 15 Elite, 16 Elite, 15 Premier? 15, uh, yeah, as, as of most recently, yes. Right before um, everything happened, COVID hit, yes. We were still in our practice blocks. So we had um, Premier and Elite teams. We had regional teams. We had um, the youth teams. And then another unique thing, um, it always bothered me. Um, I'm a retired kindergarten teacher, uh, 30 years teaching kindergarten. I've been out now, I think, six years already. But when so many girls and boys now um, would come to try out, and I felt terribly that there wasn't enough space for all of them to be there because, honestly, all of the kids who come and try out for us should be playing club volleyball. Mm-hmm. We just don't have enough space at Pittsburgh Elite. And fortunately, there are a lot of other good clubs in Pittsburgh now. Yeah. So all of us are trying to house all these kids. There's a lot of really nice programs being run. There, there's room for even more. And But what we were able to figure out and offer was for girls and boys that were 6th through 8th graders, like junior high, if they did not make a travel team or um, they were not interested in playing on a travel team, if it was cross prohibitive or uh, they were a multi-sport athlete and really wanted to focus on their other sports, uh, basketball, softball, we have what's called uh, in-house league for them. And we have upwards of 200 additional athletes in there plus for ninth through 12th grade, it's called train and play. Yeah. Same exact scenario, just different age group. So we have 35 teams, 10 kids on a team, that's 350. Plus the couple hundred kids that play in those programs, that's over 500 and some athletes we serve in Pittsburgh and are very proud to do so. 
And those programs are, are competitive and help the girls and guys that want to go back and play in their high school teams, but just don't um, either don't make a travel team that year. Some of them prepare and train and play and make it the next year, or they choose not to, to travel. So, it, but it's nice. It makes me feel good that there's a place for everybody. And they've actually, I, I remember they've turned out a couple college athletes too. In oh the, yeah. The, um, train and play. And train and play. Absolutely. Which was oh, awesome. yeah. D3, D2 athletes. And right. you know, it, it's, it's kind right. of what you said. It's just the restriction. You can't really maybe get out of town that much. Right. Right. So Sometimes just, we've, we've had kids that have had a very ill parent and they just weren't able to travel. Um, we've had kids who were basketball stars, softball stars, and said, I just can't miss this much of my high school other sport to be traveling on these weekends. Um, we actually try to be as cooperative as we can with high school in-season coaches. I mean, as we can, but it's ultimately up to the athlete and the parent. But it works so much better athletes if coaches can manage to share kids <laughs> yeah it's just easier on everybody because the high school tends to lose them we don't tend to lose them the high yeah. school does so and we're re and we're reasonable and are willing to split the time but also we have kids that are committed on teams and their teammates are depending on them to be at practice and to be at the tournaments as well Mm -hmm. in, no. in order to qualify for nationals or to go to a national tournament. So and it's I'm, a pretty serious volleyball. With, with everything going on, I know I've actually talked to a few athletes here and the ones I've trained. Um, mm -hmm. They were talking about – I've heard different scenarios thrown around, obviously, as I'm sure you have with the startups. Sure. Um, but they were talking about either starting a staggered season mm -hmm. uh, fall or – pushing it into like uh, an early spring, like in January. Um, Are you talking about high school ball? Yes. Yeah. High school. Scholastic. I haven't yeah. heard, to be honest with you, I haven't coached high school ball now. And I think I retired in 2008 happily. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had done a, a good run there and done, but I haven't heard any info recently about volleyball specifically. Yeah. Um, like I hope something I hope they can work something out where it's yeah. safe for the kids and the athletes um, but I haven't heard anything decisive yet yeah I um, know Ivy League fall sports are done are already not gonna happen um, yeah. spoke with a couple I, college coaches who are hoping they'll get their um, conference matches in but I know they, when, yeah. a lot of pre too almost I think a lot of what I think ACC completely went away with preseason. Oh, okay. Um, so, and then you're depending on the athletes to get trained or to get trained. And I mean, I remember being an athlete, and I would train on my own, as I believe a lot of athletes are doing right now, because no one wants to be that sore or be that out of shape when the season starts. So, I'm sure none of them are just laying around. But it's tougher and tougher to find places to play especially with the social distancing restrictions. Yeah. So I've seen a couple courts up at Shenley Park in Pittsburgh, people playing, but um, not too many scenarios right now. Yeah, I was, I was running the, the possibility of what would happen if high school overlapped club. And oh, yeah. I, you know, I've, I've had this conversation this whole week with my athletes and my training athletes and some of the parents, and I just said, well – I think one of two things is probably probably going to happen. It's either clubs going to get hurt a little bit, which right. I think in the grand scheme of things, funny aspect of it, it's probably not going to happen. Or they won't. In a way, it won't be allowed. I guess. Um, yeah. Or high school is going to completely suffer, which I think is going to be the bigger possibility. Right. Right. Uh, I, it's all. It's all going to depend on how the schools open. Yeah, and and what the the state dictates to mm -hmm. the uh, to the athletic programs, you know, that's going to determine that. And then we have to follow uh, the CDC guidelines and USA Volleyball guidelines. Mm -hmm. That's what. We're so um, we are. We have, in fact, Jen's Jen Flynn Oldenburg's sister, Laurie Flynn Cortazzo, 
is the head of our COVID like hotline. Yeah. He's in charge of all that information and keep, keeps a daily tab on what's going on and what we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do, making sure we're not in excess of athletes per so many square feet. Mm -hmm. um, and we are very ca cautious about it yeah. because we don't want anything out. But we so thoroughly cleaned that facility ahead of time. Um, it's just a tough time right now. It just really is tough, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've found ways around it. Um, I've gotten lucky with the facility that I train in where we've actually mm -hmm. had elevated roof. So oh. um, I've got a couple of like, passing targets and we can't really swing, but cool. work yeah. on Well, you're working. That's yeah. right. You're working on it. And then we've got beach yeah. court. So it makes it a little Well, easier. that's really helpful. Right. But, a lot of the kids have found the sand courts. Yes. Yeah. And I, I have found, it's really funny, a lot of, we'll say, um, coastal kids that do not mm -hmm. like sand. Yeah. Very, <laughs> but um, it's, it's funny because there's a lot of money now going into scholarships for females for beach volleyball. Yeah. And I will have college coaches because I've been the recruiting coordinator for so many years. And now I've stepped down for that from that pass it along. But all the kids I was originally working with, I'm still finishing off. And college coaches will call me and say, do you have any girl you think you could foresee playing beach? I need a stud athlete. You know, somebody where we're, and I said, well, beach isn't very big in Pittsburgh, but we have sand courts. And then I will recommend kids I think that could participate and do well in beach and they go down and play in front of the coach and play on the beach and some kids from pittsburgh are really really enjoying it which is nice yeah and it's a different exposure i mean and that's, oh yeah and i know that's what kind of hurts us down here is mm -hmm. I, I think south carolina is about five years behind with like field development and other stuff yeah right very few I know in this this area is hard to maintain coaches, and yeah. I'm in. They're not. It's hard down. in general anymore. Actually, yeah. you know, and I've it's looked really at, tough. I looked at the staff listing and everything, and I I mean I can still read off uh, over half the names and now you know know everyone there, which is awesome. Yeah. it does yeah. a lot to to what you guys are doing. And Thanks. It's. Um, I know one of the big things I miss was working with Scott. Uh, Sungren. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, basically, I would get bullied around by him half the time. But, uh, <laughs> it was like having a big brother. But yes. it was fun. He, I believe he's a second grade teacher or third grade teacher mm -hmm. in um, South Fayette. Mm -hmm. And he has, I think, four kids of his own. And he is a ball. Yeah. So the way we structure practices is uh, there are two coaches for every team. And then we have lead coaches because obviously our coaching director cannot be in the gym seven days a week. Um, and then the practices are stacked in a typical non-COVID time. Yeah. And our lead coaches are like the right arm extension of that uh, director of coaching. And they get the ideas across. And Scott is one of those. Ashley Green, Scott Sundgren, Matt Stellick, Molly Tooman, Zach Scahill. Um, I don't think I'm missing anybody there. But they bring a lot of enthusiasm and and fire and try to get the the practices as cohesive as we can get them and have one you know one train of thought in that we want to excel we yeah. want to, we want to do well it was always fun because there was always energy from right from the start oh, yeah. and it never oh, yeah. mattered what the day was like nothing i remember plenty of times with scott scott would run in like five minutes right. before, still dressed yeah. from school right and everybody has them, but he, I mean, sprint out of the bathroom. Like, All right, let's go. It's time to get moving. Yeah. You know, it just, everything lit up from the start. Right. Right. So you have some really good personalities in there. Yeah. We have a lot of really good um, coaches that care so much about the kids. And a lot of them are teachers or nurses mm. or um, social workers um, you just have people that are very kind and, and caring, and it shows in their coaching as yeah. well. Oh, for sure. And I know, I know, it was always, it was always a point where if I had, if I needed someone to cover for me, or or if mm -hmm. someone needed to be covered, I mean, they could call basically anybody. 
Oh yeah. And they're happy to come in. Yeah, it was it was either, you know, you just stayed for the next block or right. you know, you just say, Yeah, I can drive in tomorrow, it's not a big deal. Right. Uh, I know there's at one point I was there five days a week at least. Right. So, and then we've we've had players drive. <laughs> it's amazing to me. I mean, I was a volleyball player. I met my husband playing volleyball. All of our kids played volleyball. Not, I mean, by their own choice. We sort of wondered would any of them play like cello and so we could go see other kind of things. But they all were in a gym. They all babysat by volleyball players. So it was sort of natural for them to become volleyball players. Um, but we have kids that will drive in. One girl in particular drove in from State College three days a week not only was she never late she never missed a day and at the end of the season her mother added up how many miles it was and it was over eleven thousand miles mm -hmm. that's that, pretty amazing yeah that is amazing no driving from we have a number of kids that drive in from west virginia mm. ohio all over western pennsylvania um but they're looking for a competitive atmosphere. And some have clubs in their area and all the clubs are great. If you're running a club, thank you because we need more and more kids playing volleyball. Um, but some of them were at a level like a Sarah White, where they wanted to be with kids that were better than might be in their area and they were the top player in their area. So this just gives them another opportunity to play on more of an elite type team. Um, possibly some kids come in and they're the best kid in their high school program and it's very hard for them to understand why they're not on our elite or premier teams um so it's sometimes it's quite a reality check for people more often for their dads and their moms than them <laughs> that's usually my job to explain that to them like who out there would you like me to take off the court so i can put your daughter there that's sometimes a really hard conversation yep but you do what you have to do. But the coaching staff is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Now, with like with all your experience and everything, um, what's been? Oh, I mean, it's gonna be kind of hard to sum it up. But uh, what's been the most memorable thing you've been a part of within within mm -hmm. both? I think all the relationships I've built. I mean, I, I just talked to Salima Davidson two days ago. And I've known her since I was pregnant with my son and he's 32. <laughs> and it was just like, I haven't talked to her in, I don't know how many months, close to a year. There can be spans of seven years go by and I don't speak to her. But it, there's no, it's, it's like there's- There's never a gap. There's skipping a beat, yes. Yeah. And it's like with that with any kid I've ever coached, um, any coach that has ever coached with me, for me, next to me um i just really really um love the relationships that i've built um some of my players remember me as very very stern and very very strict and some of them remember me as oh my god you were so funny <laughs> and some of them were like oh my god you were the only person that ever talked to my dad and told him to be quiet <laughs> because i always have my athletes best you know, their best being it in my heart. And sometimes parents are just too rough. Yeah, that's my job. Parents need to be there to catch them. Um, but my job is to push them. The coach's job is to push them. And that's why um, I, yeah. I had that, that, that question. I had that discussion, with like one of the last talks I had on here. And it was um, that that I dealt with for three years. And I said, you know, I think one of the biggest most, I would say most underrated interactions are those are those car rides. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Really cool to now, you know. And I've got a couple athletes that actually one 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 went through Piddle Eat for about a year or so. Um, oh okay. Um, Maddie Johnson. She's in Carolina now. Uh, she's in. Uh, uh, she's at South Carolina for nursing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she was on um, Zaza's team. Yes, tell her congrats. That's awesome. And then um, she she's going to be coming on on Sunday, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, I keep up with her. She kind of like the, her family just turned into family for me. Correct. I mean, That's exactly what it's like. 
that's I think that's the coolest thing because I got I got to connect with her in a way that she treated me like an older brother, but with that there was still yes. that. Yes. And yes. I think it's very hard for a lot of people to understand that I'll say a lot of parents that those car rides to and from yep. are what shape your shape your child. Yes. Agreed. It's not always it's not always the things that happen on the court, things that happen in practice, but I think right. it's how they get received when they talk to their parents. Exactly. And I know the, I think it was a South Carolina <laughs> women's basketball coach mm -hmm. was talking about um, his kids, his boys and, and them playing basketball and said, you know, when, when, it, when they get in the car, they don't, you know, if they say anything negative about their coach, you know, he goes, mm -hmm. nope, you're right. not talk about him. You're We're not, not doing that. Thing. Yeah. And then he said, but on the other hand, if, if that coach doesn't want to handle my kids' problems, he's not going to be coaching them. Right. And right. it's a powerful message. I mean, there are sometimes, um, my son admitted to me, which was hard for him to admit, that one of the best practices he ever spent was sitting and talking with the team. They mm -hmm. didn't touch a ball. He said, there is so much that needs to be settled among athletes emotionally and socially and and when you can get them to connect and be like sisters and play cohesively, there's nothing stronger. There's no bond stronger than teammates. But that is something that has to be nurtured. It's something that has to be taught. It's something that has to be demonstrated. The loyalty to one another, the support of one another. Um, and we often have to encourage it and teach it to parents as well. When your daughter gets in the car, don't talk about the one serve she missed at the beginning of the day. You know, you know, what's the, like I always tell parents to say, what's the best thing that happened today? And some of them will, you know, give them details about the game. And some of them will have a really bad day and say, getting in this car and going home is the best thing that happened. You know, like you just have to be able to roll with it. Yes. Um, but then is there anything you want to talk about? If they say no, leave your athlete alone. <laughs> leave her alone but if she says yes i want to talk then let her talk about it the whole way home yeah. i mean i had to coach my own kids um the greatest joy of my life um i can't say the greatest challenge of my life because we had so many conversations going into it i know there are a lot of other coaches that find it very challenging coaching their kids but um my kids i think were pretty mentally tough uh i would sometimes make examples out of them and other kids thought thank God that I wasn't their mom, you know, I'm sure. Um, but we had a lot of really good conversations in car rides, like you said. Uh, one daughter, um, very mad about a team she was placed on. I deserve to be on a different team. Mm -hmm. I had to sit and listen. Her brother said to her, you're placed exactly where you're supposed to be. Bloom where you are planted. And she looked at me and pointed her finger in my face. She was a sophomore in high school and said, I will never lose to that team that I think I should have been on. And I said, go for it, girl. And that whole season, she didn't. <laughs> oh, so yeah. it's, it's always ways to support your kid and, and help them through. But telling them about your experiences usually don't help, it's just, being a listening ear and supporting and saying, Hey, let's get back at it. If coach is telling you that, then they must mean something by it. Let's listen and let's do what coach is saying. Um, and just really parents don't criticize the coaches. That's, that's probably the worst thing you can ever do in front of your kid. Um, yeah. If you want to have a conversation with the coach, make an appointment, meet with them. They're human beings. They're doing their best. Mm -hmm. uh, it's why we lose so many coaches. Uh, is because of the parental issue. Um, we have a 24-hour rule with Pittsburgh Elite. You can't approach a coach within 24 hours of a tournament or a play for a reason. You know, a lot of parents get very hot under the collar about things that really aren't an issue, but because it's their, their son or daughter, it seems so important at that time. And typically, kids are very embarrassed when their parents say it because they know, they know why what's happening is happening, yeah. you know. And I think we we both run damage control on that before. I know exactly I've at every program in some way somehow. I mean that was a reason I quit coaching high school after this past year. Yes, uh, 
that's a big reason why I've permanently stepped away from coaching high school. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I like club because mm -hmm. it, it as they're choosing to be there. Yeah, yeah. They're choosing to be there. Yes. exactly. And so there's an automatic understanding. Mm -hmm. I had parents uh, come up to me in high school ball that said, my child was all conference in fifth and sixth grade. And you would know talent if it bit you in the face. And I said, <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. Uh, but I'm just trying to make a cohesive six operate on this court. And, um, but thanks for that. <laughs> and those are the things I think it's very hard to, for people outside of the sport or outside of the situation to understand is we're, we're balancing anywhere between nine, eight, all the way up to 15 oh, yeah. motions and mindsets in seconds. Right. And right. can't, like, you know, you, you can't, you just can't describe it in any other way. Right. As control. Right. And you have even, so many, you have so many things going through your head as you're coaching. You're, you got your eye on the score. You got your, your eye on the, on the players and what they're doing. You have your eye on their emotional mindset. You have your eye on who's on the bench and could contribute or who needs to come out of the game. You have your eye on what's going on on the other side of the net for strategy. I mean, it is never ending. The only thing you don't have is a clock. Mm -hmm. And I used to play basketball and coach basketball, and that was an extra stressor that I do not miss. I don't I, miss the clock going. That that I, was a little sure. too much. But I, rally score, I mean, I played under regular scoring. You could only score a point in volleyball if you were. So rally score, some people hated it. I loved it. I loved the pressure of it. High school tournaments, they'll go to one game to 21 as a playoff in between. Coaches are complaining about it. I'm like, this is awesome. You got to show yeah. up and play. Shut up or, or get off the court, you know. <laughs> I, I do like those formats that it's, you know, it, it teaches you how to compete. And kids yeah. need yeah. to learn how to compete. Mm -hmm. uh, too often they are just make, they have been taught how to make excuses um, anymore. It's really tough. 2020 yeah. stuff. It, it it is, and I know um, I know the athletes that come to me here uh, understand mm -hmm. which I am, um, and I don't I don't I don't really reference my time at Coastal anymore. Uh -huh. uh, I don't really re reference a lot of my coaching, like a lot of my mm -hmm. clean. It's right. just if they ask me, you know, where have you been? I right. reference it, but it, but then they understand, you know. I have a certain, I have standards. I had, I right. had expectations. Yeah. I had a parent come to me. Um, uh, I have a player parent contract, just like you guys have. And mm -hmm. I handed it, it's like uh, four pages front and back and mm -hmm. with everything. And it, from, from in school to uh, off the court, to on the court, to the parents. And um, I had a, more than one person come up to me and say, I've, what is like this is a lot and i said yeah you know, i'm like i get it you know i said but when you this read is a lot <laughs> yeah like but when you read through it it's really not i mean you're and doing this is a lot for me if i don't give this to you <laughs> and you know it's it's nice it, it's nice to see that to where you can expose some people to that standard right and it's it's very eye-opening it was for me when i came down here and mm -hmm the kind of wanting to put my own spin on everything. Yeah. Right. So it's, it was for me, you know, when people started asking, where'd you, where'd you come from? And I told them the program I worked with and mm -hmm. where I played and where I coached. And I said, you know, it's very, very fast paced. Um, yeah. A lot of things are done in a way where everyone's on the same page. Um, mm -hmm. My club director would email out our practice plans everything be written out you have your team time but there's focuses every week every practice mm -hmm. that we're going to have standards um my practices right. are ahead of time my focuses are my focuses for reasons mm -hmm. you know um that you should always be able to say why you're doing a drill mm -hmm. what the purpose of the drill is what we're getting out of the drill i think every drill needs to either have a score an end goal you know there ha you can't just be doing something to do it yeah. Um, I, I think they should always be competitive and you should have a reason why you're doing it. And if a kid asks you, why am I, why are we doing this? You need to have an answer. 
Yeah, and that's yeah. what I, I remember listening to a a, a bit by uh, Karch Karai about how mm -hmm. every drill needs to start with a serve, or every drill yeah. needs an initiation of a ball. Yes, and it's game like. It, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, just just mm -hmm. a simple a simple thought like that, I think, is what you know brings out elicits all those bigger ideas to really make right, right, right. So it's awesome to see. I was very very grateful for all the times I've had all the experiences, and yes, I didn't realize the stress of walking onto a Division One program until I got down mm -hmm. here, and then it's it's big business, and yeah. it was. I actually talked to Danny Doherty. Um, yes. Before Robert Morris, right? Yeah. Before I they had a fabulous year this past year. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, um. Before I went to Coastal, I'm proud to say four. There were always four of our athletes on the court. One time there was five, so I was really proud of that. They I were was always the kids. It was either there or Duquesne. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there were a few at Duquesne this past year, and, but almost the entire team on Robert Morris, the one match I was watching, there were four on the court and then one time five on the court that all had come out of our program, which I was really pumped about. Uh, yeah. And, they were uh, mentally yeah. tough kids. Oh, yeah. And I remember like talking with Danny, and he would tell me, like, hey, I know what he's like. You, you're going to have to be ready for it. Right. And he said, Okay. I mean, and there were times, like, and I've said this on here before, I got chewed at, and it was one of those things. I had to do my job to what he wants, and yeah, it was, it was very nerve-wracking at 27, 28 to walk onto that and realize, mm -hmm. wow, I have missed a whole side of the sport. Oh, yeah, your eyes get open really quick. Yeah. Well, that's like when parents come to me and their child's 13. Um, she wants to play Division One, <laughs> And it's so it, – it, and. It, it's very difficult to explain that less than 1% of high school athletes are going to play division one sports in college, mm. less than 1% of all those kids. So if your kid's one of them, that that's a special kid, but it's also not going to play volleyball in college. I mean, this is their job when they yeah. get there and it's paying for their, a lot of times it's paying for their education. Yeah. Um, and there's great expectations on them. Division then, one volleyball is top. It's very top. All the high performance kids that, that have to go try out. Mm -hmm. and, and those are supposed to be the top of the top. It's right. And then you only get 22 out of 200 right. kids. And right. so you're taking um, one one hundredth of a percent of right. those if that. And it's very astronomical when some of those kids actually start seeing those figures. Right. Now, Sarah made the junior national team this mm -hmm. year, and then they're not having it. Yeah. Then we have two kids from our 12 and unders. Two made the 13 and under high performance team. They had played um, for the past two seasons for my son, Zach, and mm -hmm. our, 12, our top 12 team. And they both made it, Isabella and Natalie, and there's no season. So, but those kids are committed, man. They're, and every week, I know they won a 12 and under sand tournament a couple weeks ago uh, out in Ohio. But it's a big commitment on part of the parents to get these kids to these places and get them these opportunities. And then rolling into Division One volleyball isn't that big of a stretch for those kids that have been exposed all these big type of tournaments and high level tryouts and all that along the way. So yeah. just like any other sport, hockey, soccer, you know, it's, it's up to the parent to get the kid there. Yeah. I had, I had a little four teams team where three quarters of them had never played before. There you go. Yeah. And we went to queen city classic in Charlotte. Yeah. And, uh, their eyes like bugged out. Yeah. When and, they saw all the courts. Yeah. yeah. I, um, it's we, funny. We, we finished, I think we won one set the whole day or the whole tournament. Uh -huh. but that's one more than zero. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they were ecstatic when it happened. I mean, and that's all I care about. And Yeah, you know, they were happy. That's right. After that in first all the day, In all the years I've coached, there's one thing I never talk about is winning. Mm -hmm. I never yeah. talk to my team about winning. It, winning is not in your control. Your performance 
is within your control. And if everybody performs at their best and plays for each other, winning happens. Yeah. It happens. And if it doesn't, somebody beat you. There are yeah. going to be times when people are better than you. You know, you can't whine. You go back and start working harder, you know. Because uh, at Baldwin High School, where I did the majority of my high school coaching, we never had six-foot kids. Yeah. Um, but, but the fact of the matter was that we taught them you don't let the ball hit the floor. Mm. If the ball doesn't hit the floor, no one can score on you. Yes. So we get it up, we get it in, we'll win. And we won a lot because we got – we had tough, tough kids who loved to compete. They loved to – um, celebrate. They love to, to to play together and enjoyed each other, and they love to sing on the bus. Yeah. And they just sang their hearts out all the way there and all the way back home. And they knew it was a lot easier when they played well, and we won. And it it really is to it, it was amusing to me how it would piss so many people off. I'm sorry if that's a swear word to some people, but um, it would make some some coaches and some teams so mad that my team would celebrate so much. And I never understood that. Yeah. I mean, it's a sport. That means it's a game with a ball. It's supposed to be fun. Um, so I'm, I want it to be fun all the time. And I want it to be in your face competitive. Yeah. I grew up with 12 boys on my street. That's the only way I know how to play is play to win. Yeah. Um, but not talk about winning. Exactly. It's in my head, there's no way you're going to beat me if I don't let you. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what we try to instill at Pittsburgh Elite too. You know, just be very confident in yourself and and believe in each other and speak positive and good things are going to happen. And I know I had I had that little fourteen team and I took him over to the eighteen open court. Yeah. After after we were done, <laughs> but they loved that. Over their eyes, oh like flying saucers. Like, and I I told all the parents. I said, look, I'm going to ask you to do one thing for me. I'm going to feel bad about it. Because we all want to get out of here and go get eat, go get food and, and relax and rest. But please do me a favor. We're all going to go over and watch the one seed play. Absolutely. Noon or one o'clock. And we walked over there and they're watching them. That's how you build a championship program. That's exactly how you do it. And they were freaking out. They turned around, Coach Anything, did you see what she did? Did you see what she did? And yeah. I I had a couple girls who there that was their first season and they turn around in the middle of the match and looked at me and said, I'm going to do that. Yes. And yeah. for me, those are the athletes that started to push more. That gives me goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> that's excellent. That's it's exactly how they do it. And that's how they develop female role models and female mm -hmm. heroes. They're looking at girls who are, are competitive and are doing what they want to do. It's like so many Olympic athletes said, when they say how did you get started i watched this and they'll yes. say i on tv when i was four five six usually seven eight is a little late for gymnastics but anyway and they said i knew i could do it and i mean you have to instill that dream in a kid and, it, and it's got to start young we start volley tots we use beach balls we have you know really fun stuff just uh -huh. trying to get them and having fun and um getting them addicted to the sport when they're young it's it's harder when you don't have a beach environment it's so natural on the coast yeah. but when, when the wee little ones aren't seeing it just out on the beach all the time you have to create an atmosphere for them too where because soccer gets them way early oh yeah. no my gosh yeah i've lost a few kids to that for sure right uh right. but i mean i love i even had i had an athlete the other day um the seventh grader and she's been wanting to get her serve and get her swing down and get her swing down. And I watched. Yeah. And she, she, she got it. And right after, that, <laughs> yeah, right after that video, she looked at me and said, like we were, me and her and her cousin were walking back off the court and she goes, I don't know what it was. Something just clicked. Yes. And then yes. She, like, it all makes sense now. And I kind of just went. Yes. I, it's yes. Really, weird because you you know you're a good coach you know that you know what you're talking about but it's one yes. of those moments like I, I i did it right 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 i remember the my middle kid she was in sixth grade and she could not serve a ball could not from her own end line to her own 10 foot line and she was so angry 
And I told her it's all about technique. You know, you'll get it, you'll get it. She's like, I want it now, blah, blah, blah. You know, as time went on, she was in eighth grade. She was a pretty good server. She was actually a really good server. And then in high school, I remember we were in a WPL championship game. It was a 25-point game. And it was 23-23. And she was my setter, and she was right front. So we get the side out, and she goes back to serve. And, of course, as a mom, I have this flashback of her. <laughs> not being able to hit that ball to the 10-foot line. For her as a junior in high school to turn and look at me straight in the eye with a ball under arm and said, too bad for them. <laughs> she went back there and her two aces, and we won the match. And I thought, my God. God, how far a kid can come in five short years, you know? With, I mean, there were thousands of people in that gym, you know, screaming, going crazy, and she was laser focused, like, there's no way I'm not, I'm not nailing this, you know? Yeah. But I remember the first day it ever went over the net for the <laughs> first time, like, ah! <laughs> And that's the joy of coaching volleyball. Mm -hmm. Same sport at all levels, but how well and how efficient they do the skills, you know, there's a difference between 10 and unders and division one college, you know, it's the same sport. It's yeah. how well perform the skills. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of all I have. For that was you. Awesome. Thanks, uh, Anthony. Oh, no problem. I, I do have one, one thing for you. Uh, if you can do me one favor and that is to any of those girls uh, that a list that listen to this or are listening um, what advice would you give them about playing the sport? I'd say believe in yourself. Always believe in yourself. Put motivational quotes everywhere. In your car, in your locker, in your mirror, on your mirror at home. Have a notebook where you save motivational quotes. Uh, my favorite is no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Mm -hmm. That's Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, don't ever let a coach tell you what you cannot do. Uh, don't ever. I mean, there's all different coaches. There's some coaches you're going to learn how great you are from, and there's some coaches that are going to teach you, I'm never listening to you again in my life, and I believe in myself more despite you. Yeah. So I would say don't ever lose belief in yourself. Don't ever let anybody define you. And however much you put into it is how much you're going to get out of it. Okay. So if you want to be a great athlete, if you want to be a high-level athlete, you've got to work all year round. So get at it, you do it, eat healthy, don't smoke, don't take drugs. I always say that same thing to all those kids. Um, be healthy and, yeah. um, and just believe in yourself. So thanks, Anthony. I really appreciate you having me on. Hey, thank you so much. I'm just glad that this, this went a lot smoother this time. Yeah, yeah, so, of course. I'm great with, um, technology, so I appreciate it. All right, but call in time. For, for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for everything. Good luck. Okay, right. take care. Bye-bye.